Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, Jay Dub, back for another uh, edition of the pod. Today's show, I'm going to talk about 2023 fantasy football sleeper selections. Um, here's the deal. There's rankings everywhere. The top selections, top five, top 10, they're easy to find. So I could give those to you. It's not going to be that useful. What I've always found useful is identify those players that are going to outperform those rankings. Because that's at the end of the day, you're looking for guys that are going to be quote unquote lead winners. And you're looking for guys that, that are going to outperform their cost, whether that's in a draft or in an auction. Um, and, that, and that's the essence of, of how you close the gap and give yourself a better opportunity and opportunity to, to win. So that's what I'm going to do for you. Just going to be me. You're not going to hear anyone else's voice. You're going to get my takes on players that I believe will outperform this year. So I'm going to, on the flip side, get into it. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Okay. Excited. Hope everyone's having a great day. We're about to get into the NFL season. Got about a week or so until the real games start. We're in this lull post cut down, but uh, pre-game. So it's kind of interesting. The NFL has now got about a two-week window here between the last preseason game and the first game of the season. So without further ado, here are the guys that I'm hanging my hat on this year. Again, these aren't guys that I'm going to have in every league I play in or every format, but these are the ones I, I have conviction on, I think will outperform their cost in some cases by a wide margin. I'm going to kick it off the quarterbacks. First and foremost is Cleveland uh, quarterback Deshaun Watson. So let's put aside moral issues from off the field actions. I personally want to have this guy in in, in many leagues, maybe not any league, uh, but I, I want to call him out because you know, look, preseason performance and camp reports have been have been bad. I mean, he clearly played poorly last year. But the last four years we saw this guy play on what I would say are below average offensive teams, he was consistently a top five fantasy quarterback and in many years, top three. He's dynamic, he can throw, he can run, and he's in his prime. So there's risk here. But for a guy that, you know, every ADP I can see, he's outside the top 10, sometimes outside the top 12, 13, 14, although he is coming up on more and more of these lists. So I think he's moving them up. But he's a guy that very much could return top five productivity at the quarterback position, potentially even higher than that. And I think the the, the talent in Cleveland, quite frankly, is slightly better to, to much better than what he ever had in Houston. So is he is he the same guy? Has he lost something? As the experience that he went through, you know, is it karma? Maybe. But if you're looking for somebody who could, could you know, repay or or really have a nice return on investment in terms of what you have to pay for him to get him from a draft capital standpoint, Deshaun Watson. Next quarterback, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name two. I could name three here and I'll throw out another name as well, but I'm going a little bit further back. And I think this one is has even got a bigger upside, not as 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 high as Watson in terms of, of range of outcomes, but I think somebody going late, and that's Brock Purdy. I also will throw out Kenny Pickett here. Kenny Pickett's looked great in the preseason, got a ton of talent around him, but I'm going to stick with Brock Purdy here as the second guy. And here's why. The surrounding cast of his is elite. Last year in the seven starts he had, remember he got thrown into a game, I believe it was week 10, 
you know, thrown into a game, injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. He actually had two TD passes in that game. But it, but removing that game, just looking at his full, seven full starts, excluding the NFC Championship game, he had 14 touchdown passes in those games and two TD runs. He averaged 2.3 TDs a game. Maybe he regresses some on the touchdown scale, but the talent leads me to believe that he will be there and we will surprise because right now he's going kind of in the mid-20s of for for quarterbacks in fantasy and yet his productivity would put him kind of more in the top 10 top 12 and he's got upside he was a rookie last year he's only going to get better so look at his surrounding talent he's got the best fantasy running back very versatile almost positionless in christian mccaffrey guy could play running back he could play slot great receiver in the backfield and you saw that chemistry once once purdy came in it was able to kind of hit him it really just needs to play point guard. He's got two top 20 receivers in Debo Samuel and Ayuk. Debo's another one. He can play He can play running back. He can play outside in the flanker. There's a lot of flexibility there. And he's got a top two or three tight end when he's healthy. Definitely top five overall tight end in Kittle. And some good talent behind him. So younger guys, like whether it's a tight end at running back with Elijah Mitchell, some receiver talent. Pretty good offensive line. There's some there's some potential holes there, but you know a future Hall of Famer at left tackle and Trent Williams, so he could be a flash in the pan, or he could be that kind of creative point guard type of of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan really likes. I, I tend to think he's probably more on the the creative point guard type that Shanahan's going to kind of scheme up, and I think he could get to 30 total touchdowns and 4,000 yards. Maybe he's only like 36, 37, 3800 passing, but four or 500 yards rushing. He's being selected in the mid-20s. I think he could easily as, end up as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And it's a great pairing there if you're going to take like a veteran. In a single quarterback league, take like a veteran like an Aaron Rodgers or someone like that. Put them together late in your draft. If you're at a flex, flex league, per, uh, Purdy's awesome to take late because I think he's going to return quite a bit of value. So I mentioned Pickett there. I won't go deep on him, but he's looked outstanding this preseason. And he's a gamer and he's got a lot of talent around uh, now I'm going to go on the running backs. I got a bunch of guys I could name here, but I stuck with three guys who I think are undisputed starters who are all going kind of late RB2, really RB3, and sometimes even RB4. So the first one I'll start off with is Khalil Herbert, Chicago Bears. Look, this guy's going in the 30s in, in ADP from what I can tell in the, most of the services, but he'll perform in the low 20s, if not mid-teens. Here's why. Last two years, he's had 100-plus carries. Last year, is in the 150-60 range. And he's been a top-10 efficiency runner, playing behind a pretty abysmal offensive line, no passing attack. If he can retain 85% of his efficiency, which so far the, the stats across two seasons, and by the way, in high-volume situations last year when David Montgomery was hurt, and he can increase his by efficiency by 50%, he'll be firmly in RB2 territory and, and potentially touch even low in RB1. And yet he's being drafted kind of today as an RB3 or flex. So here's the base case. Yes, you got Dante Foreman there. He's a good runner. But don't don't forget, he's terrible in pass protection. And advanced statistics say he's not as good a runner as Herbert. And you got rookie Roshan Johnson. And he's been fine this preseason, but not incredible. And people hype up his pass protection and running. But he's a rookie. And the advanced statistics show that Herbert's not a bad pass protection or receiver. So... If you look at that stretch where David Montgomery missed games last year and Herbert was getting fueled the, the the targets or getting the touches, he was an late RB1 in that four-game stretch. So if he gets 60% of the work overall, he'll far outperform his fantasy draft cost. So this is one of my locks. Next is, is the guy who was his teammate last year who went to Detroit. 
I don't understand this one. David Montgomery. M- Montgomery, I get it. He's not a sexy player. But listen to this. Playing in a terrible offense with a mediocre offensive line and no passing attack. He's finished fantasy running back. Two overall productivity, six, 20, and 21 in the last four years. That's insane. That's really consistent. He's been consistently an RB2, kind of low-end RB2, and he had one season in RB1. Now he gets to play behind arguably the best run-blocking offensive line in an offense that lacks a running quarterback option or alternative kind of run between the tackles, goal line back. And yet he's being selected as a late RB2 or RB3. In short, he's got a great opportunity to outperform. And I would I would argue, take the arbitrage of this one, select him safely and reap the benefits. Third and final, this one's a little bit confounding for me as well. This is Kansas City running back Isaiah Pacheco, former seventh rounder from last year. The darling kind of great stories of a rookie between him and Brock Purdy. He had two, I've actually now listed them both on this list actually. So former seventh rounders. So who says the, the last round in the draft doesn't matter. Uh, but he demonstrated in the playoffs and the second half of last year that he's a dynamic, really hard-nosed runner, can move the pile. He makes plays out of the backfield. If you watch the quarterback series, you saw Mahomes and the Chiefs really love this guy. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to consolidate all the running back touches with Pacheco. They haven't done that in, in the Mahomes era. There's been not a single running back that like really break out and have huge, huge numbers. But he doesn't need that to finish as the top 15 fantasy performer. And in fact, if you just extrapolate his production from week nine on, when he ascended to sort of more of the primary ball carrier role and CEH uh, fell back, he was on a, for a, for a full season, he would have been on a 265 carry, 1400 yard, eight TD pace, just running the ball. And in the playoffs, he started getting more touches in the passing game. He had one game with five for 59 yards receiving. So even just look at last year's performance, he finishes the 33rd fantasy running back in productivity with basically only half a season work. And yet this year, he's going roughly around the 30th overall place. That makes no sense. He has ceiling of top 10 player. If he starts getting those those rushing touchdowns, and if he has a full season, he can stay healthy, and he can be at that 250, 260, 12 to 1400 yard, 8 to 10 TD pace, he's a top 10 running back. So I think you got to take the difference to the bank there. I really like him. Another guy I won't go deep on, but another stealer, as I mentioned, Kenny Pickett, that is really interesting to get a lot of hype because he's really performed well in the preseason. But it's Jalen Warren, who was an undrafted rookie last year. He played extremely well, like a Herbert. My concern would be, is Najee the guy they're going to continue to give a ton of work to? And Jalen Warren kind of plays in that Khalil Herbert role where it's like he's highly efficient and really dynamic and clearly when he plays he's he's valuable but he doesn't get the volume I don't know I like Warren he's a guy I would take kind of a later round pick on and and bet on the upside so let's get into the receivers I got three receivers two young guys two second year guys one one deep veteran let me start off with the the two young guys first and foremost if you're watching hard knocks Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets. This isn't a sleeper. He's underrated. You don't know him, but he's going to have a a good year. This is me making a call out that I think this is a massive breakout star and get him while you can. He looks like he could ascend a top five production and his ceiling is number one overall receiver with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Rodgers has singled him out on the hard knocks. Just go look at episode three or four. 
He'd call them special. He feeds them targets. When he played in, in the last preseason game, he fed him targets, got him a touchdown, basically in two drives. And this is Rogers' MO. He likes to find a guy that's special. He and he will feed him the ball. And Rogers is electric. He's such an accurate passer. He gets the ball out quickly in space. So it's not un- unconceivable. In fact, I'm predicting Wilson's going to get the 150 to 175 target range that Rodgers historically uh, bestowed on one primary receiver and Wilson be in line to kind of exceed 100 catches, 1,400 yards, and that kind of 8 to 10 TD range. He could do better than that. Maybe he does a little bit less than that. I don't know. But if he's in that range, he's an awesome value because he's being drafted kind of in that late wide receiver one, really kind of early wide receiver two. I think he's a top end wide receiver one this year, barring an injury. So that's the first one. Again, not going to surprise anybody. Everyone's going to see that and be like, oh, that's not a sleeper. Well, I agree, but he's going to, he's, he's someone I'm calling uh, as a breakout this year. Next, this is a little bit more of a sleeper. Uh, going back to Kansas City, you kind of see some themes here. Certain offenses I know are going to perform and they've got clear gaps on their team. And I'm going to go with Sky Moore. So Moore was on all sorts of rookie hype lists last year as somebody who would shine. However, you know, we forget it's difficult for rookies to make immediate splashes, particularly in complex, mature, high-performing offenses. And so Moore, look, he's second year. He now knows the offense. He's an elder. He's actually ironically one of the elder statesmen in the receiving room since he's been on the team now for one full season and a full offseason in training camp. There's a couple other rookies there, practice squad. You know, guys they picked up like Tony, they picked up during the season, but that, that, that offense lost 135, almost 140 targets. At some point, Travis Kelsey may slow down. You know, he had 154 targets last year. Maybe Kelsey only gets 120. The point is there is no established number one wide receiver. Um, If Moore can step into that number two role behind Kelsey, he'll see more than hundred targets. He'd be in line for kind of 65 to catches 65 70 catches for 800 to 900 yards you know the floor i think is low but the ceiling is extremely high he could explode and and be one of these top top target hogs um and he's going outside the top 40 so you're looking at a guy that's pretty cheap you're going to get him late in your draft but he could easily easily finish in the wide receiver two category and he's got he's got a ceiling that's much much further above that camp reports so far have been positive on him i just don't know we won't know, but I think it's a it's a worthwhile bet. Last receiver on my list, and I think this is another one that I, I I'm putting a flag in. I, I really believe in is wide receiver Adam Thielen in Carolina. You know, old veteran free agent wide receiver additions are usually not good fantasy investments. And if you're in a dynasty kind of long term league, this isn't going to be an amazing investment given that he's you know he's not going to be performing as at a very high level two, three, four years from now. But I think Thielen this year is the exception to that kind of rule. You know, he's being selected in the right of your 40s range. So again, like more, he's relatively cheap, easy. He's a guy that, that you know, you can get without putting a huge investment in. So he's essentially going as free. But his production, you know, it's declined the past few years, but it also coincides with just the sheer dominance and emergence of his, of his running mate in Minnesota, Justin Jefferson. Now in Carolina, he's paired with hyper-accurate rookie Bryce Young. He should be the rookie security blanket. Thielen is a master route runner. He's exceptional on third downs and in the red zone, which are the crucial plays for Young to look for that security blanket in his rookie year. They're going to be a match made in heaven, in my opinion. And given the laughter experience in the Carolina receiver room, I think you can see 150, 130 targets, potentially even more. 
and that 75, 80 catch, 950, kind of 1,050 yards, but probably high on the TD scale, maybe eight, maybe even 10 plus touchdowns. Don't forget, Thielen has been an awesome, awesome red zone receiver. The last couple of years, he's actually been lower on the yardage and catches, but one year he had 10, 10 TDs, the other year he had 14. So he is really good in that part of the, the zone. And you already saw it in the preseason. They connected up on a touchdown in the back end zone on a great route and perfect throw from, from Young. He's going to be uh, a security blanket. And I think he'll be a, a borderline to solid wide receiver too, or at the very least, an every week flex starter in every league. So I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in Thielen this year and really want to shout that one. Lastly, I've got one tight end. There's several tight ends that I could call out. I don't know if any of them are going to, to explode. There's always going to be some surprise each year. There's a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere. I guess last year it might've been Evan Ingram in a new, new spot, although he wasn't huge. He was, you know, I think wide receiver or tight end eight or nine. A couple of years ago, Waller emerged as a, as a star. A couple of years before that was Mark Andrews. This year, I'm going to pick someone veteran, Tyler Higby of the Rams. You know, I had Higby, he kind of burned me a few years ago when I placed him on a similar list. So I, you've been forewarned, but the stats back up that, you know, he continues to get to be good. And the opportunity he had is, is wide open. Last year, he set career highs in targets. He had 108 targets, catches 72, but he was playing in such an abysmal offense his yards per catch for way down, and he only caught three TDs. With Stafford returning, I, I think this could be the year Higby actually matches or exceeds his target and sets a new career high there, kind of gets in that career high or exceeds it on catches. But his yards per catch will be back to that kind of 2018 to 20 range, where it was closer to 12 versus sub 10, which would get him in that 850 to 900 yards. And then you get him five, six, seven TDs, and now he's around tight end five, tight end six which is turning awesome value because he's outside the top 12 today. So if you're looking to get a guy with some upside, a veteran who you know is going to be a kind of an integral a part of an offense, quite frankly, there are not a lot of other options. Quarterback is comfortable with them. got to go Tyler Higby. Really good option there. I hope that's useful. I hope you're enjoying the drafts this season. You're getting ready for your for the season to start. And I wish you all a lot of fun. That's what we do this for. It's all about having a little fun, connecting to, to old friends and just some friendly competition. So on that note, appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you enjoy it, please subscribe. If you want to write a review, I'd really appreciate it. We we live off of that. Do that at your, at your preferred podcast directory, particularly iOS, Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate that. So on that note, thank you pretty much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said, Uptown, funk you up.